testing am I on? <coughs> what was that? I was just testing. Testing. One, two, three. Am I on? Can you tell me if I'm on? Am I on? Hello. Am I on? I'm adjusting my microphone. Yes, you're on. We didn't on. do any sound checks or anything for this whole thing. We've been doing this for two and a half years, man. It's okay, not but, sound checks. But I'm a little bit... I'm a little bit worried right now because uh, other times when we haven't gone through any kind of check, we go through a whole podcast and we find out we were not recording anything <laughs> at all. That was a different program. This was GarageBand. That was with Skype or I don't know what. Uh, besides, we're in a hurry. This is our kind of get out of jail free card. We're supposed to be in a meeting. The meeting's the pre-meeting to the meeting is going long. So we're like, let's run down to the basement. Let's do a do podcast. This podcast. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. So we're kind of, we just jumped in. So Ladies because we love all of you so much, we're like, we're not going another week without a podcast. So we're going to squeeze this in. It's uh, Holtzclaw and Fitch here at Northern Seminary in the Griffith Conference Studio. Great. No, Griffith Sound Studio. Sound? It's not in a the, sound stage. In the basement of the new Northern Seminary, right next to the beautiful library and the beautiful views of a little lake right next to the big highway. You can't get that anywhere else. Right across from the Arboretum. Morton Arboretum. That's a garden for trees. And I might add, it's only a mile and a quarter uh, uh, walk to the train station that gets you right down to Union Station right in the middle of Chicago in a matter of 32 minutes. What more can you ask for a location? How about not Seminary? freezing rain? Like it is today. I'm oh, no, hey. I'm a little whiner, but like it was 50s the last couple here, days, and it's, I'd rather it snowed and was cold, but it's cold and rain. It's the worst, man. This is January. It's March 1st, and doggone it, it's freezing rain. I don't yeah. like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I need to embrace my place. Embrace your place, which brings us to the topic. You, you see that segue there? You see what I did there? I need to learn. Okay, dude. Sometimes it. you are just absolutely amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I draw attention to all my amazements. All right, so today we're talking about, well, we want to go back. We want to set the stage a little bit. Several years ago, you were asked to do an article by the Venerable Christianity Today about, is our gospel too small? And you kind of reversed it because you do that, and you said something like, is the gospel too big? But on okay. the way to that finished product, right. you had kind of sent in something. This was back maybe in, in the mild, mildly angry Dave Fitch years. He's much more mellow now. <laughs> so when I first met Dave 15 years ago, he was the, the very angry. Then there was the it's, mildly angry. It's going on angry. 20 years, folks, that and we've no, known each other. Well, maybe. And then, so now he's very mellow. But So this is in the mildly one. So you sent it off to an editor. And you got you yeah, got this a response is way too back. much information. Okay, basically, no, they're setting the stage so that people can know that we're people too. Yeah. So, uh, just to summarize that incredibly lengthy intro, uh, Andy Crouch, uh, at that time, edit, uh, senior editor at Christianity Today, asked me to write an article, and I wrote it. And it was on, you know, uh, mission, missional, blah blah blah, whatever it was. I can't actually remember what the article was about, but he he wrote me back. Uh, a rather scathing email. I think it was about two pages single spaced. And he said, if you, it basically he said, if you can't love uh, your place, you need to leave. And, uh, you know, at this point we're starting life on the vine, a Christian community up there in the Northwest suburbs. It's a very spatial suburban place. I was an urban guy and it's very, to me, lonely, concrete, I could call it a jungle, except not in the way we think about it in terms of urban context. Suburban sprawl, 
where nobody knows one another, where everybody just goes into their garage and closes the garage door, goes inside, never has a conversation with anybody on their neighborhood block. And so I was complaining and and talking about how much I hate this place. And uh, Andy Crouch said, look, dude, if you can't love your place, you sound like you hate your place. If you can't love your place, you need to leave. And that, by the way, not only caused me to rewrite the article on Mission in the Suburbs, but it also uh, caused me to think long and hard about what I was doing there and why and what it meant to be uh, to be called to a place. Have you struggled with your call to a place? You know, you're, since then, uh, Life on the Vine sent Rayanne, Max, and myself to Westmont to one of our church plants. You're still up there at Life on the Vine. Have you ever struggled with that call to place in the northwest suburbs of Chicago? Um, honestly, not, not a lot, not deeply. Part of that is like constitutional, like temperament. I've, I always just am wherever the place I, outside of complaining about the weather, like I did earlier, but I just am where I am. I grew up in the suburbs. I'm a suburban kid from San Jose, California, which is like just a giant suburb of the rest of the Bay area. Uh, so the suburbs are like known and familiar, even if I rage against them as an idea, like experientially, they're very known to me. Yeah. And I've always just been like wherever I am is where, I, you know, like people I went to, on missions trips to Poland or Mexico or other places. And people are like, oh, c- c- you know, could you stay there and be like, yeah, wherever I am, that's where I could, you know, I could picture myself living there forever. So, so you I know, I'm a much- lot like that, too, Jeff Holesglaw. But for some reason, the northwest suburbs got to me, you know, uh, a people- special level of purgatory for you. Well, people don't know this. Maybe a lot don't know this, but uh, when I uh, got married to Rayanne in 19, I think it was 99. I should really know that better than that. Yes, it was uh, 99. But 99. Um, uh, and I had finished a Ph.D. and we had been involved in ministry at a, at a church there for a while. And I was also in the business world. I felt God calling us to uh, church planting. And my denomination continually wanted to send me to this place called Long Grove, which is an unincorporated area between three massive suburbs, Arlington Heights, Buffalo Grove, and um, Vernon Hills. And I said, no way. I can't do it. I turned them down twice. I promised the Lord, you give me 10 people, I'll go wherever you call me. But I do not But want not it. the suburbs. Please. It looked like uh, I, I couldn't fathom it when we travel out there. And what do you know, the third time I said yes. And, you know, a lot of fruit came in my life and in that ministry in the ensuing 15 years. But God called me to a place that I did not want to go. And so out of that, um, I started to understand what it meant or what it didn't mean or the struggle to be called to a place. And, you know, there's been a renewal of or I should say, uh, I don't know if it's a renewal of, but it's just this this vibrant new understanding of place and the theology of place in the last 15 years. I would characterize it, if I'm going to summarize it in like three sentences or less, you know, that modernity had created abstract space where individuals are kind of extracted out of their locale and they drive cars all over the place and they become the center of their world in in, in a space that is abstracted from the local geography and rhythms and narratives and textures out of which they live. And the call to place is kind of a renewal or a rebellion against 
that modernized, abstract, nondescript, non-local, individual-centric space to a call-to-go-inhabit place where there's textures. There's people living here in rhythms. They go, they eat, they go to church, they go to school, they get on the train, they go to business, they pass by restaurants, they eat in restaurants, there's bars, there's third places, there's all these rhythms where actual life is lived. And if you stick long enough and listen long enough, there's narratives and histories that drive the meanings and understandings of how people live and relate to one another. A lot of it is tainted by sin and brokenness and hurt and anger and antagonism. And so if we can just spend long enough times listening to the stories and the memories and the narratives of this of these places, uh, we will see that God's at work here and that the gospel we can enter to be proclaimed um, as... Uh, in, in a real concrete place. Brueggemann wrote the book, um, I think it's called Land. Do you know that book? Yeah, I have still not read that. Yeah, I think you know, it's the just, central it, theme is Abraham the land was called land. out yeah. of Earth to go to a place and God was going to establish a kingdom and a people of his own to give forth witness of what it's like to live in redemption and restoration of his kingdom, of life with God, of his presence, centered in his presence. And this would take this would take place in a place, Canaan, Israel. And so this theme of place is really biblical, the sense of belonging to one another and belonging to a place. It's not rootless. It's where we put down roots and where God shapes a people to manifest his glory in a place. How's that for a three-sentence summary of the theology of place? That three sentences had a lot of semicolons, <laughs> commas, and maybe even a full colon. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, the, the return to place fits in with other things we've talked about, like how do we fit God's ubiquity and his manifest presence together. We've talked about the temple a lot, but the land is also you know, prominent in this discussion. I, when I teach our, our theology class and talk about Christology, I always talk about how Jesus didn't come in abstract human nature, but, you know, was an Israelite from the Northern end of the country, you know, in Galilee and, you know, he was a Jewish man. And so I think that's, I think it's good to remember the specificity, the uniqueness of place and different places as we think of mission and that mission isn't just some sort of, abstract kind of thing but it's very on the ground it's particular and that's how god has always worked in the particular in Through fact the particular the particular to the universal not just in the fact, universal. there's this thing called the incarnation amen which means god comes to manifest his presence in a place so uh let's let's get back to andy crouch here again telling me if you don't love if you cannot love this place you need to leave are there ever good reasons to leave your place? Probably. Can you give me one? Well, if God, yeah, the one is if God calls you to. All right. <laughs> if God calls you in mission to leave your place, then you should leave. Otherwise, you should probably hang on for as long as possible right where you are. All right, so I'll give you one reason I think might be a good reason to leave your place. If you cannot see mission staring you in the face where you live, you need to leave. 
Is that a little bit bold? Okay, let me if put you it this way. You can't see mission or if you're unwilling to see the mission that God's already doing. Because God's doing mission where you are. Yeah, so from time to time, um, I've had people driven to international global mission come to me and say, there is no reason to be in the United States. Everyone here in the whole entire country has had an opportunity to hear the gospel. Where there are people overseas where they have no chance to hear the gospel. I've got to leave this place and go there. And you know what? I'm not going to stop them. I might make some arguments like, well, I don't know if the first observation is entirely accurate, especially since the way people hear the gospel here is is polluted or um, problematic because of the way the church has given witness or not given witness to the gospel. But nonetheless, I think that's a good reason to leave a place. If you think this place is overchurched, uh, everybody's a Christian, and there's no ministry mission to be done here, I can thoroughly bless somebody leaving and going to a place of mission. Sure, sure. So I might ask, God's are calling you, you to? is your eyes open? Has somebody con- has God confronted you and left somebody on your front door that needs to hear the gospel? If he has, that's not a good reason to leave. That's mm-hmm. you, not the place. Okay, another good reason to leave the place. How about this? We have a friend. I won't mention his name on this podcast. His? His. But he says, I am not a city kind of guy, or I am not an urban kind of guy. I'm a country kind of guy. I struggle to live in urban context. I've got to leave this place. I'm not comfortable here. Is that a good reason to leave a place? What? Maybe, you know, you're giving me all these abstract questions. So I think, again, back to the, the particular people come from a particular place, a particular space. They have their stories and they have the things that they know and that they can minister to. And uh, so if God's calling someone to the country rather than the city, who am I to disagree with that? I couldn't speak effectively to country um, people. Uh, Maybe I could learn it, but that wouldn't be as natural. And if God called me there, then I would follow. But certainly uh, if someone is feeling called to the country and they're from the country, then why would we stand in the way of that and say, no, you have to go to cities. You have to be in cities for sure. Yeah, so this leads me to my next point, uh, and and my question for that person who said, hey, I can't live here, it's not my kind of place, I'm a country kind of guy, I'm going to go, well, maybe God's calling you to this place anyways. And if God's calling you to this place, then you need to submit this I'm a country kind of guy and let God move you and shape you and transform you and do a work in you that's going to be as powerful for you as what he's going to do in this place because you're going to stay here. I believe you have to be called. People who are not naturally born to be in this place, you have to be called. I find myself called. all when I, I was driving through South Side Chicago on 95th Street to get a hockey helmet because I couldn't find one in my plate against sports. This is about a month and a half ago. And I found myself driving all around this part of the city of Chicago going, I believe God might be calling me to this place to plant a church. At which point my wife said, you do this every 15 weeks and you need to stop yourself. We're not moving <laughs> See, again. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say every place you spend more than 10 minutes and you feel called to. I, if you if you have a flat tire on the, on the, on the freeway, you're probably thinking, God might call me here. That's actually I'm, happened to me, but I got to <laughs> so, tell you something. So, and then Dave Fitch, whenever he meets somebody, he says, Hey, I think you're called to church plant. So 
You're called to every place you go, and every person you meet is called a church plant next, which is great. And God uses people and circumstances and situations and hockey helmets to call us to different places, but we have to discern God's calling us to a place. And I don't believe we should live anywhere God does not call us to a place. And so I want to close. How, 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 what, how much time we're we good. Okay. I got three things. Yeah, I, good. I, I want to talk things. about three things you can do to love the place you're okay. called. Now, these are just three things I do. I think there might be extremely limited. I think all of you out there might have a lot more to say about this. And if you do, just put a little comment at the bottom of the post. The Theology and Mission uh, Facebook page or hit us up on Twitter. Yeah, but okay, here, here's one thing you can do. Take long walks in your neighborhood with a cigar and pray. Pray and just notice. So you're talking about prayer walks. I'm not actually... You're like a Pentecostal. It's, it's not exactly a prayer walk for me. It's like, oh, it calms my... This cigar, and I, by the way, I don't smoke that many cigars anymore if anybody's that wondering if um, what you smoke are cigars but that's for another conversation all right but but uh it it relaxes me and it says i'm going to be here and i'm going to notice what's going on and i'm going to pray for what's going on and i'm going to open space for what god's doing in this place long walks with a cigar okay so just to augment that i know uh um, Dan White and uh, J.R. Woodward and their... Uh, Our good buddies, Dan White yeah. and J.R. Woodward, who've written the book... Uh, missional Communities, Building Missional Communities. Shoot, I, had, I was looking at it yesterday. But anyways, in that fantastic book of theirs... Fantastic that book. ...that I'm not remembering, he talks about changing your commute and how um, mixing up how you get from point A to point B, especially in your neighborhood, so that you can see uh, more of your neighborhood or maybe changing how you get from point A to point B instead of taking a car if it's close enough you can bike or walk he says changing up your commute so that you can see different layers and different times and different people in your neighborhoods and in your places and that's a way of enriching your experience of a place and i think that's a great piece of advice i'm saying do it uh this might sound trivial this might sound stupid to all you busy busy people out there oh i i'm not i'm i'm not kidding uh, I do this regularly, and it impacts my life. Second idea is this idea of ethnography. Get to know your place. Go to a few places. There's a there's a place in Westmont called the Westmont Restaurant. It's it's a pretty uh, uh, how do I say uh, it's it's dumpy. It's a dumpy restaurant. Forgive me, Westmont Restaurant. I do love you. But, you know, you go sit there, and I do love sitting there. And you notice the wheels on the chairs. And you notice the people struggling, some elderly people, a lot of elderly people coming in, struggling to get in their seats and eat breakfast. And you hear the stories, and you start to understand what's going on here. You go to Potbelly Bar, and you hear people who've lived here 20 and 30 years and what used to be over there and how people got hurt when this happened in town. And in the struggles in town, and you begin to love and ache for the place you're in. We call that ethnography, the ability to observe as a participant observer and the ability to listen to people and ask good questions. Do you do that? In uh, it's, Do it's, I practice ethnography? Not as much as I should. I, I camp out in two different coffee shops. 
Yeah, you know, with Starbucks. But you know, I've met I've met quite a few people, and I've seen the same customers and talk and acknowledgments for over ten years now. And I've gotten to know some of them, and yeah. you know, a lot of them are like entrepreneurs. They run their own business and things like that. It's a great. So for a place like the Northwest suburbs, I got to tell you, I do think Starbucks is a good place to do ethnography. It's a good place to get to know your neighborhoods. It's a good place to get to know the struggles. I. I went just like eight blocks over when I lived in Arlington Heights to a place called Rolling Meadows, which is a kind of a blue, more blue-collar part of town, to a McDonald's, and I started to, that, that was one of the, still one of the most defining experiences of my life in terms of knowing and understanding what's going on in those parts of Chicagoland. All right, here's... Uh, Here's a uh, third suggestion. This well, before the, we jump into that, uh, the Woodward and White book is actually the Church as Movement, starting and sustaining missional, incarnational communities. The Church as Movement. Just wanted to get that out there. Yeah. Okay. Third point. Well, it's it's actually just a riff on the other two. Drive your neighborhood. Imagine. This is what I do. I drive neighborhoods and imagine what it's like to live in this place for 20, 30 years. I'll be going, I'll be going to the airport. Uh, in particular, I'm thinking about Midway Airport on the south side, and I'll be driving by that neighborhood right to the west of the Midway Airport, and, and I'll say, oh, man, this is amazing. And I'll take a right, and I'll, instead of going straight to the airport, I'll drive through some of the blocks of, of all these bungalows, little brick bungalows and I'm going what would it be like to live here now what would it have been like here to live here 20 years ago what has God been doing in this place I I I just give you that idea just to help you understand maybe how you can get an imagination for people living year after year in these neighborhoods and God's working in their lives but they just don't know it yet they need somebody to come in and uh bless them another thing I like to do is take my, I haven't done this in over three years, but when I first moved to Westmont, I took my phone, and it has a camera on it. Do you know phones have cameras on them nowadays? Yeah, Isn't I've that heard that. Wow. Uh, and I just I just would take uh, little pictures of things I loved about this new place. Like there's a statue of Jesus as Lord over the Catholic Church. Every time I walk by it, I go, thank you, Lord. I took a picture of it, things I love about Westmont. That was my, uh, what do you call that, hashtag? Uh, I would, there, there's Muddy Waters Drive uh, in Westmont. There's the Taco Express restaurant, which is the dumpiest but the greatest Mexican restaurant in all of the western part of Chicago. And I would just start posting these on my Twitter feed. This is like from many years ago go folks um i i probably should start doing it again but these are the kind of things we can just kind of um help ourselves embrace and immerse ourselves into where we live and start to imagine and inhabit these places for the kingdom of god i want to end our little segment here um with a with with a bunch of books uh on this subject all right let's do it so this is like a an expanded what are you reading kind of version here yeah connecting uh, with the theology and practice of place. Uh, there, there's, there's a group, there's, there's a, uh, a group of essays in this book called "Why Place Matters," edited by McAllister and McClay. Um, it's, it's like one of the classic collections of essays. There's Philip Sheldrake, "Spaces for the Sacred Me- Place, Memory and Identity." That's a little bit of a sacramental kind of understanding of place but not sacramental enough, if you ask me. 
but that's another topic for another day. There's Where Mortals Dwell, a Christian view of place today by Craig Bartholomew, the uh, Dutch Reformed dude in Canada. I really like this book. A little more, um, a little more theological in drive and direction. Uh, there's Brueggemann's book on land in the Old Testament. Then there's, lastly, and I want to plug this book for Len Yarmelson, H-J-A-L-M-A-R-S-O-N, Leonard Yarmelson, No Home Like Place. And uh, by the way, I'll read my blurb for this book because it was a great blurb. (laughs) Winsomely written, richly researched, this book will help you see where you live differently as a place, a story, a sacramental tapestry where God is steadfastly, concretely at work for the salvation of the world. That's why we enter place. Len did a great job on this book, A Christian Theology of Place. This book needs more play. People need to know it's out there. I highly recommend it. And that goes for me for uh, the best title, No Home Like Place. Len comes up with good titles. Riffing off of the the Dorothy call back to to Kansas at the end of Wizard of Oz. well, that's it for today's podcast. We're just actually, Dave and I are both getting texts from our interim dean about where are we. So we're going we to get back up, up there to that meeting. this podcast and head up to the conference But room. folks, ladies and gentlemen, it's been great to be here with you. Uh, Holesclaw, as always, I thought you were really on your game today. <laughs> Thank you for that. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at the next... Uh, don't you usually say something about writing reviews or something? I do, but thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, write a review, folks. We need all the help we can get. You know, all five, five, fifty-two persons. I used to say five persons. Now I'm going to go 52 persons all listening 52. to this podcast. Write us a review. Help us get the word out there. Uh, until next time, though, it's, it's over now for Theology on Mission podcast. And next week we're going to talk about cultural engagement. Cultural engagement. And we're going to be announcing our theology and mission lectureship next week. So stay tuned and be ready. Over and out.